For Tuesday, May 12th, 2020, this is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, the coronavirus has hit southwest Georgia harder than any other part of the state. My daughter not only passed away, but I know of probably right offhand, maybe 15 people that I know that died from COVID-19. Melita Nichols tells me about losing her 27-year-old daughter, Quinia Roberts, to the coronavirus after her own fight with COVID-19. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. More than 1,400 lives have been claimed by the coronavirus in Georgia. And while we might think of COVID-19 as a disease more likely to cause adverse outcomes for older people or those with underlying health conditions, that's not necessarily the case. Quinia Nia Roberts was just 27 years old when she died from COVID-19 on April 6th. She's still one of the youngest victims of the pandemic in the state. Her mother, Melita Nichols, joins me now to share her daughter's story and that of her own struggle with the disease. Melita, thank you so much for talking with me. You're welcome. We are here today um, to talk about your daughter, Nia. Um, I'm I'm wondering if if we can just start by having you tell me about her, what you loved about her, what she was like. Um, Well, Nia was my oldest child. Um, She was 27 years old. She was a sweet young lady, um, full of life. Um, and just living, you know, her life to the best of her ability. She has a younger brother, my younger son, who's 15. And um, she's also, uh, me and her father are divorced, and she's her father, was her father's only child. So um, she was just a sweet, low-key young lady uh, with a contagious, affectious, you know, smile. And um, she loved life and people. And um, that's what type of person she was. Nia, I, I think at this point still um, is, is one of the youngest people in the state to have died uh, from COVID. Walk me through the, the process of, of how she got sick. Um, we both attended a church in Albany by the name of Gethsemane Worship Center. But I wanted to back up a little. The first week of March, uh, Nia worked for a uh, company that 
did medical records for different physicians' offices. And she had a work assignment in New York City the very first week of March. She came home. Um, then she attended a conference at the church. Nia started getting sick. She started coughing. And she was telling me, Mom, it feels like a truck has run over my chest. Well, on March the 20th, um, she went to Phoebe Putney Health Systems and she was diagnosed with pneumonia and possible exposure to COVID-19. They sent her home with um, antibiotics and that particular day, I woke up that morning, couldn't breathe, and I was transported to the hospital and admitted. The very next day, which was the 21st, I believe, of Saturday, Nia um, was not doing well. Um, her blood pressure did not seem well. And at that point, they um, admitted her. Walk me through um, kind of how, how things progressed. At that time, I, you know, like I said, was in the hospital and they were giving me oxygen treatments because I went into acute respiratory failure. My oxygen level was real low. Nia was, you know, texting me that, that first day or two, you know, checking on me. And I found out after the fact that we were actually maybe a couple rooms down from each other when we both were first admitted. Then Nia was admitted to uh, SICU and she was on a vent. And I went into, you know, panic mode, anxiety mode, because I just couldn't understand why they were putting her on a vent. And she's only 27 years old no underlying health conditions, then my oxygen levels dropped and they put me in SICU. So we actually were both in the critical unit and they were giving me aggressive um, oxygen. I wasn't on a vent and um, I was there for maybe two days. It just really kind of went downhill for her while she was in the unit. And then they actually removed me out of the unit because my oxygen levels, you know, started getting back normal and they moved me to a regular floor. At this point, you are out of intensive care. Nia is still in intensive care. How did this disease progress for her? At first, they would say, you know, that she's stable. They're trying to wean her off the ventilator. So one of the nurses was nice enough to FaceTime me. And when I saw Nia, I was kind of in shock just to see her face. And when I started talking, um, her eyes opened wide, you know, because I, I do have a, <laughs> a kind of loud voice. Nia would always tell me, Mama, you're so loud. You know, she's very soft-spoken like her father. But um, her eyes opened, and you could tell that she was trying to look to see where I was because she heard my voice. Every day, either the doctors who were attending to me or nurses would give me an update um, on Nia. And eventually, um, I was discharged from the hospital. And I cried the whole way while the transport person was bringing me downstairs to go home because I didn't want to leave my daughter. I felt like with me being in a hospital, I had, you know, easier access to her. And, you know, just as a mother, that motherly love and instinct was left at the hospital because my child was there. And so it was just really a, a really, you know, hard journey for me to leave the hospital. I just didn't want to leave Phoebe knowing that my daughter was there at the hospital. What was going through your head at that point? I Were, were you thinking that, that Nia was, was going to be somewhat close behind you uh, getting, getting out of the hospital? 
Right. That was my my thinking that, you know, she was going to be on the vent for, you know, a little while and then she was going to get better. Because, mind you, she was a 27-year-old with no underlying health conditions besides seasonal allergies, never been in a hospital a day in her life since the day she was born. Walk me through uh, kind of how, how that last week went for Nia. Well, the last week, um, the nurses, you know, would call, and, and the majority of the time they would tell me that there was no change in her uh, condition. And then all of a sudden... Um, that Saturday, I believe, which was the fourth, uh, one of the nurses FaceTimed me and I asked her, you know, because I wanted to see Nia. And so she FaceTimed me and she looked like she was, you know, coherent. Um, she was blinking her eyes a little bit, but I could still see that they had, you know, that vent in her and the tube down her throat. My heart was just kind of, you know, like, I know that's not a, a good feeling to have that thing in your throat you know, for these prolonged periods of time. That I think brings us up to the 6th. Tell me what happened that day. April 6th was a Monday. And um, about 1030 that morning, um, I got a call from the hospital. And, you know, in my mind was thinking maybe it was the nurse calling me to give me an update. Actually, when I picked up the phone and they were like, you know, is this Melita so-and-so? I said, yes, it is. He said, well, my name is Dr. Smith. And that's when everything just kind of went downhill. He said, I just wanted to let you know that she's not doing well. Um, she had a turn for the worse. Um, we've given her all the medications that we could possibly give her at this time. He said, could you come to the hospital? And when I got up to the unit, um, I ran into the nurses and they were waiting. All were waiting for me. And it was, I think, the doctor, Dr. Smith, the nurse, I think the respiratory therapist, and they all wanted to go into a room. Well, anytime they want to talk to you in the room, this little room, it's, you know, somebody's about to die. And so at that time, I said, well, let me, allow me to call Quinia's daddy. So I called him and put him on the speakerphone and told him what was going on. And the doctor, you know, kind of introduced himself to him. And he, in so many words, said the same thing that he had mentioned to me earlier. He said, you know, um, I'm not telling you that your daughter's going to, you know, pass away today, tomorrow, or next week. I don't know. All I know is the prognosis does not look well. And so I asked the doctors, can I see Nia? So the nurses suited me up. Um, I felt like I was, you know, going in a hazmat area and um, took me to her room. And so when I walked in there, um, when I looked at her, I just said to myself, look like my child has been in the fight of her life. I just immediately um, started praying over her body. Um, just, you know, Nia, if you have the strength to fight, please fight on. But if it's the will of the Lord, you know, let God's will be done. And I just really started talking in her ear, letting her know that I love her. Her brother loved her. Her dad, all of her family loved her. And we wanted her to pull through. And maybe after 15 or 20 minutes, the nurse told me that I, you know, I couldn't stay any longer because I was really recuperating myself. You know, it had been maybe a week since I had been out the hospital. So I really did not want to leave. But, you know, I was following the instructions that were given to me. And I, I left the hospital and went home and just was having uneasy feelings I was just kind of mad and disgusted with COVID-19, you know, for causing sickness on myself as well as my daughter and, and other 
you know, friends that we knew of. So um, later on that night, maybe around 6, 30, 7 o'clock, I got a call from the hospital. So I was just thinking in my mind, it was the nurse calling me back. But actually, it was Dr. Smith again. And he was like, well, I just called to let you know that unfortunately your daughter passed away. And I lost it. I couldn't even think straight. It's a feeling that I, I, I it's indescribable. Um, I just kind of was in a, a state of shock. Just the reality that she had left um, was just a very, very um, hard feeling for me to, to, to grasp. It's been about a month now since Nia has passed. How has this last month been for you? It has been a roller coaster. I've had crying days. I've had, you know, happy days. It's just been a real a roller coaster. And everybody in and family members and friends, we're just all trying to grasp, trying to wrap our heads around what has happened, you know, this last month or so um with with the COVID nineteen and, you know, Nia passing away, as well as people that we knew in the community that have passed away. I know of probably right offhand, maybe 15 people that I know that died from COVID-19. And um, it has really affected me. Every time I hear something about COVID-19, I just kind of cringe. What do you make of the fact that Nia was so young, just 27? So when... All of this happened with Nia. I was just kind of like alarmed because she wasn't the, I guess, the norm of who was getting affected by the disease. Um, most of the people that I knew of who had uh, contracted the disease or were was in the hospital were kind of older people. Um, and so, you know, people were wanting to talk with me about, you know, did your daughter have any underlying medical dishes? I said, I keep telling you, no, my answer's not going to change. Um, you know, she had nothing. So I just, you know, was alarmed at everything that was going on because I kept saying, Nia's so young. You know, what is going on? Everything was kind of in a daze to me because she wasn't the norm of the other patients that were, um, you know, being placed in the hospital. Um, with the virus. We might see a number of how many people have, have died, um, but behind each one of those numbers is is a person. It's, it's kind of hard for me to digest because since then I've seen stories about younger people, younger than Nia, contracting COVID-19 and passing away from it. So to me right now it's attacking people from all ages, um, all races. She wasn't the norm Everybody that I just about know that had passed away from COVID-19 had underlying medical conditions. Now, the doctors did say that Nia, you know, I will share that she was on the fluffy side. They said that she was obese, but she was, you know, not 300, 400 pounds. But I do know that she was, you know, kind of on the fluffy side. And um, one of the doctors I remember speaking to early on, you know, was telling me that sometimes you know, being a little overweight or being overweight does cause stress, you know, for your heart and your lungs and different things of that nature. Whereas I was a diabetic and had Crohn's disease, 
you know, I was more susceptible of getting the disease and I just couldn't understand, you know, how my daughter, someone 27 years old, had actually gotten the disease and was in the unit on a vent. I just really wasn't understanding that whole, you know, whole thing about that. For people who maybe aren't in this community living through this, what message would you have for them? I just feel that people need to take it seriously, um, wear your mask, you know, do the precautionary measures that are being placed um, and, and take it seriously because it won't hit you until it affects home. I know that, you know, my daughter, we were doing everything that we knew to do. We were just, we didn't ask for this disease because we ended up both testing positive for Corona and we didn't ask for it. We just happened to be, you know, in a place where the virus attacked the both of us. So uh, I tell people, you know, just be safe. Just be safe. Um, because it, it, it could be your family next. Melita Nichols lives in Leesburg, Georgia. Her daughter, Quinia Roberts, died April 6th at the age of 27. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. You can reach us with questions, comments, or controversy at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at S. Claude Whitehead. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Have you donated to WAB yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wab.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.